I found like a vegan grocery store in Vienna and I stocked up on like a lot of soups and just snacks that I knew that were going to be fine, even though I didn't know any of the German that was on them. I understood that like the entire store was vegan. So I was like, okay, anything I buy here will be fine. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you are listening to episode 14 of the Joyride podcast after a long and extended slumber we took there. We took a nice little nap, and now we're back. Um, So super excited to be back with you here on the Joyride, where we celebrate women on bikes, and I am introducing a new segment. We're going to have a couple segments here in the show. And this one is called This Week in Badass Women on Bikes. So, this week in Badass Women on Bikes, Rio, Rio, Rio. Uh, Olympics 2016, American Kristen Armstrong wins gold for Team USA. And this happened yesterday as I record this, which is August 11th. 2016. Uh, This happened yesterday that she won gold in the individual time trial. Uh, This is Kristen Armstrong's third gold medal in this sport, in this event, I should say. Uh, Not in the sport, but in the event. Um, She won this in 08. She won it in 2012. And now with this win in 2016, this makes her the only cyclist male or female, the only cyclist in history to win gold in the same event in three successive Olympics. And that is pretty cool. Pretty big moment, I think, in her story there. And today, as I record this on August 11th, uh, this is Kristen Armstrong's birthday. So happy birthday to our gold medal winner, USA, USA. Um, When asked why she still pursues cycling at this level of competition at the age of 43, she replied, because I can. That's right, because she can. She can, she did, boom. And a a quick shout out to Velo News. I think it was Velo News, actually. I should probably double check that as I'm going in here. Yeah, so quick shout out to Velo News, because when they did the Rio time trial preview, um, they actually, I mean, I I consume pro racing news, let's say, haphazardly. Um, I kind of like, I, I see it when it shows up in my feed and all of the social medias. And I don't really know where I'm consuming it from, which is why I had to double check that it was Velo News. Um, So maybe a bunch of other news outlets are doing this. Maybe Velo News has been doing it for a while. Maybe it's dependent on the person who's actually writing the copy there for Velo News. But when I read the race preview, the actual time trial preview for Rio, um, Velo News covered the women's race first. They covered the women first. The first name mentioned 
was Evelyn Stevens, you know, Evie Stevens. Uh, and not only was, uh, you know, not only was the women's race covered first, but they also ran a stunning, you know, Captain America type photo of Kristen Armstrong as their above the fold photo, which if you're not familiar, above the fold is a, a reference to the, the lead photo in a newspaper that, uh, you know, appears above that, that horizontal fold. Um, so, I mean, women's coverage in the lead, and this was, you know, before all of the big names like, you know, Cancelera and, you know, like just above all of the, the men's favorites, you know, above Chris Froome, uh, above everybody, um, this, this great chunk where, where we got to learn about the women who were racing the Rio time trial first. And so, um, I just think that that's fantastic. Maybe other news outlets are doing this as part of their practice. Um, but I suspect considering that I noticed it and it stood out to me that that is not true. Um, but you know, listen, Vela news, thank you. Um, I noticed it and I appreciate it. Next, in this edition of Badass Women on Bikes, I recently went on a bike camping weekend adventure with a group called Veni Vidi Velo PDX, which is, you know, of course, a, a riff on Veni Vidi Vici, We Came, We Saw, We Conquered. Um, but Veni Vidi Velo PDX, which will, it's affectionately known as V3. Um, recently, we did a weekend bike camping overnight thing to Shampooey State Park from, we did a ride from Portland to Shampooey, and you can find the, the ride report write up on Girl Eats Bike. If you wanna go ahead and take a gander, go ahead and look at Girl Eats Bike and see all the details I wrote up about that. It was a really great ride. Um, a lot of fun, beginner bike camping thing. It was pretty fantastic. Uh, that brings me to my next new segment. <laughs> Do you like this? We're doing all sorts of advanced things on the joyride now. Um, this next new segment that I'm going to start doing, which is like what I'm loving this week and on the bike, what I'm loving is my handle band by night eyes. Uh, the handle band is this cool rubberized doohickey <laughs> that it's a very technical formal name. Um, and then it attaches your smartphone to your bike and it basically makes your, your handlebars or your top tube, um, pretty much like a dashboard. Yes, there are lots and lots and lots of methods to attach your smartphone to your bike if you do that sort of thing. However, I really like this. It's um, stayed super secure. It's easy to use um, once you kind of like figure out the right placement on the bike and the right placement of like where the band should go on your phone. Um, I think in when used in conjunction with a really great waterproof case, it can be um, like just a really great addition to your ride. Uh, now that I'm commuting, I definitely use it to listen to podcasts. I keep an earbud in my right ear only. You got have to be aware and listen for traffic and listen for people, you know, other cyclists signaling to you that they're passing. Um, but I listen to podcasts a lot during my commute as I'm commuting now to downtown PDX uh, on the daily. And uh, I listen to a lot of business podcasts, a lot of writing podcasts, but one uh, podcast that I'm listening to in particular that I definitely want to make sure I mention is the Pedal Shift Project. And the Pedal Shift Project, it's one of the few bike podcasts I listen to. Uh, it's a collection of conversations and tips and tricks around the bike touring lifestyle. It's hosted by Tim Mooney. Um, and Tim invited me, moi, yours truly, 
to come on the show and chat. So I am super excited because he and I actually just finished recording the show. Um, I definitely want you to go ahead and check that out. Uh, but I am going to uh, cross post that here on the Joyride so you'll get a chance to listen to it. However, I definitely suggest you check out if you're interested at all in bike touring. Um, he's got tons of like really great ideas and, you know, really detail oriented. Uh, helps to, it's informative and educational, gets into some of the minutia, but not in a not in a dry way like it's really you know he keeps it interesting and moving along so check that out and make sure you check out um he did an episode on annie londonderry who was the first woman to travel around the world by bike um let's see pedalshift.net oh i spelled pedal shift wrong i spelled it like as though i were maybe dutch clickety-clack here on the keyboard. Um, I just want to get you this episode for um, Annie Londonderry here. Yeah, there it is. 13. Lucky 13. Of course, I should have known that. Um, so uh, the new woman bikes around the world. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. I definitely want you to check that out because it um, features a really prominent figure in women's cycling history or herstory, shall we say. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to our guest this week, who is Catherine Walton. Catherine Walton is a photographer and a world cycle tourist. She's been all over the world. And in this conversation, we talk about those travels. We talk about tandem bikes and inspiration and creativity on the road. So check out Girl Eats Bike forward slash joyride 014 for the show notes and any links. And now let's get into it. Catherine Walton, welcome to the Joyride. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. I'm so glad that you could join me today. So where in the world are you? I'm in Syracuse, New York. You do the touring thing. Mm-hmm. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about like all the places that you've been. I was, you know, reading through, I mean, you, you've got quite an extensive list of places that you visited on the bike. So it started in 2010. Um, it started with a tandem bike trip with my ex and it ended like that ended horribly. But after that, it kind of opened my eyes to solo touring. But so after the, the tandem ride, there was a, a bike ride to a convention called Bike Bike. Um, it was in Toronto in 2010. So there was a group of bicycle mechanics from like a cooperative um, in Troy, New York. And they were biking across New York and then like around Lake Ontario. And so I wanted to join them, um, which m was phenomenal because they taught me so much about bicycle maintenance and, you know, what to look for and like when to know like, okay, I need a shop like right away. Like this is bad, um, which has been amazingly helpful for the years after that. Um, so since then I've done, I guess it was 14,000 miles. Um, but it, it ranges from the United States. Um, it started in the United States and then I went to Canada and then I went across the country and then I biked in Japan with my boyfriend now. And then I biked around Europe this summer or last summer and fall. I was there for like three and a half months. Wow. So, 
that sounds that, amazing. The rundown. Did um, tell me, a, and I understand this is person is your ex now, but tell me a little bit about touring on a tandem because I hear that it's like the X maker. Anyway, okay. So what I've heard is that a tandems will help you get to the end of your relationship so much faster. So if you're gonna if you're gonna work out together, like a tandem is the way to test it, and. <laughs> Yeah, it just wasn't our speed <laughs> or something. It you you really do lean on each other and you can't hand like have any like internal resentments and we didn't really talk about feelings which led to really not much fun <laughs> in 2010. <laughs> so it sounds like there's a lot of you have a lot of communication things you kind of have to deal with on a tandem anyway. Yeah. And if you're not super good at that, it may not be, may not be a good thing to do. That was at least my experience. Um, it was a, a pretty short tour. It was like 800 miles around um, New England, essentially. My goodness. Um, yeah. It's funny to look at that comparatively speaking and think about like 800 miles being short. Yeah. Well, Compared to the other tours I've done, it was the the shortest. But that was kind of your, your entry point, though. Yes. And how long, like how many days was that? I think it was like three weeks. Um, yeah, we started in upstate New York, and then we biked through Vermont, New Hampshire, to Maine, and like just around Maine. We went to Acadia. But... Pretty flat out there. Um, no, it's kind of like rolling hills and Vermont, ha we, there was a mountain pass. It's a little nerve wracking. I'm just thinking about that in general and then thinking about it in terms of we being did. on a tandem with someone. Yeah. I mean, if you're already like putting all this effort into going up, like, huh, this would just be so much easier if the person on the bag was just putting like 150 more percent back into this so we can just get over this faster. And it's hard no matter what you do, but if you have this kind of unspoken resentment towards that person, <laughs> it tends to be an issue. So even though you had that experience, you were like, I'm into this and I think I want to try it without dragging someone else along with me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, it was, it didn't, that relationship didn't really end until later in 2010. And I had taken a bus to Colorado um, to spend time with him and his family and, uh, it, that, that was the part that led it to its downfall, but I had brought my bicycle with all of my touring stuff. So I was like, I'm ready. Like, I, I want to go somewhere. Like, I'm just going to have to figure out where I want to go. Um, but I, I waited around, it was Durango, Colorado for like maybe two and a half weeks or so, like trying to, like hoping to meet someone who was interested in touring with me or you know, just doing something, um, but it didn't work out. Uh, so I just, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go by myself. Like, if there's no one that, because I, I really enjoy the company of another person, um, but if no one is as motivated as I am or is interested in specific places or, like, wanna, wants to ride at a different speed, like, you really have to meet a compatible person to do that. 
and it wasn't about to hold me back. I'm kind of independent. <laughs> so. so did you go back to Syracuse from Colorado? Um, so I started in Colorado in September. Um, I was in Wisconsin for Halloween. Um, and then it started getting very cold. Um, and I was in Ohio be just before Thanksgiving and my mom and my stepfather came there to my grandparents' house, which is where I was. And they, they picked me up for Thanksgiving to go back to Syracuse. Yeah. Wow. So, and then after that is when you hooked up with the bike mechanics from Troy, New York. No, that was like in between there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So like right after the tandem ride was the bike mechanic um, to bike bike is the, the name of like the conference for bicycle cooperatives. Um, and then, then I did, I, that was like in August, I think. And then I went to September to Colorado. You're like got bit you're, you're into it. Yeah. Sweet. And so just never, I, I tried to plan something every year since then. Um, and most of it, I feel like if I don't fully commit myself, um, and by fully commit, I mean like kind of just get rid of my job, like just renew everything and throw myself all in and I, I'll do it. Um, but if it's like somewhat like, oh, well maybe I could hang out, like get home and, you know, have like a peaceful summer where I'm not doing a whole lot, like going to end up happening this summer like I was kind of hoping to do something small but I feel like every time I need to go big and it's just so freeing for me tell me more about that about it being freeing yeah um so I guess it it combines the idea of having like a limited amount of possessions and less responsibilities um just being on the road and, and meeting people and going new places. Um, for Europe, it was more challenging because I didn't speak a lot of the languages, especially at the end in Eastern Europe. And it was really cold and rainy. It was less fun. But um, the idea of just like, okay, I have my tent. I can camp wherever I want. Like, I'll find my food at the grocery store. And I pack enough food for two or three days at any one time. So it's not... I don't get too much. I, I, I'm not too concerned about it. Because, um, I mean, if I was someone living day to day with the amount of food that I had on my bicycle, that would be a little worrisome, I think. But So that sounds like you travel pretty light. Yeah, I just have two um, rear panniers and a front camera bag. Wow, that's impressive. Well, and, sorry, and I also have like a... It's a tarp that has my tent and stuff in it that goes on my rear rack. I don't have a front rack. Gotcha. Because I have, I have an older bike, and it's not compatible for a front rack. So is that the same bike that you, like, kind of started your adult bike life with? Yes. Do you feel like... Uh, I'm going. No, uh, I have a friend from high school, and I was in a... Like, I fell off my bike in 2008 and it it bent the frame um when that happened and so I just I asked around and one of my friends her parents had gotten her 
a bicycle that was way too big for her. And she's like, yeah, you should totally come over because you're a lot taller than I am. Like, maybe this will fit you. And, I mean, they bought it at a garage sale for, like, $20. I was like, okay, sweet. So I ended up getting that bike for $20, and I've just done everything. Like, I've put all new everything into it. Um, but it's a great size frame for me, and I know it, and I know when something's wrong, <laughs> which is important. Do you feel like it's adapted pretty well to needing a, to having a touring setup? <laughs> yeah, um, it's been it's been fine. I mean, it's not ideal. Like my boyfriend has like the surly long haul trucker, um, and he actually had more problems with, not with the bicycle, but with the um, what's it called? Like his alignment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, when like when it's like set up for you, yeah. Like it, the fit was incorrect, like initially, and he had like knee problems and everything. And I, I really just kind of like guessed it. I was like, well, I can't put the seat up any much, like at, at at all because it's so big. Um, the frame is already, and I've just made everything work. Um, just because it's what I have and I've always been on like a limited income. Um, but everything's been working out really well. Like when something's like really broken, like on my last tour, my bottom bracket, I could feel it like starting to go and I was like, Oh no. But I, I knew that like, okay, that's, that's a big problem. I need to fix this. I can't just ignore it. It's not going to get any better. Like some things, I like a little wobble in the wheel, like that. That's manageable, but the alignment's not. So, do you have any tips for folks who are kind of just starting out, who are like, I don't know if this is something that I need to take in right away. Like, did you any anything that you kind of can think of and point to immediately where you're like, nope, that's bad, that's bad. Um, so anything that has bearings, if it's wobbling side to side or it just like feels really chunky or is not moving as smoothly as possible, that, that tends to be a a bad, (laughs) a bad thing. Like I have a pedal right now that's going, but like pedals are are pretty easily like interchangeable. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but for the bottom bracket, when you, you need the inside of the, the bracket, um, to be to be smooth, um, running on wonky bearings is bad for it. So anything that should be, you know, riding and moving in a circle like a bike does, it should only move in that circle. It shouldn't move on any other plane. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially like wheels too. Um, yeah, wheels are the bottom bracket and the pedals, I guess, are the things with bearings that I can think of. Um, that's ten, that tends to be what I look for. We had a warm showers guest, um, in the fall and he was biking around the world. Um, and he apparently had been in an accident in Mongolia. Um, and his bike frame was cracked and he, so he had repaired it there somewhere. And, um, but there was another part of it that had like broken all the way through. Um, and that, that was a big problem. I didn't, I never, had that problem. Fortunately, it turns out I know a welder here in Syracuse who fixes bicycles. So <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but that, I, yeah, any kind of 
structural damage to the frame would be horrible. And I found that um, with the handlebars, I found, at least for myself, the wrong handlebars will make my fingers go numb, which is horrible. Not a good feeling. I'm like really stuck on someone having a broken bike frame in Mongolia and then finally making it all the way to Syracuse, New York. He repaired it once. Um, Well, there was like two parts that had broken. He didn't like notice one of them. Um, The one that broke here was one that was behind the, the crank. Um, So where the right behind where the, the gears are for that pedal. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other one was further towards the front of the bike. Um, I think it was somewhere below. I don't know. They could have been on the front or on one of the tubes. I don't recall. Um, so it was in a tricky spot and, uh, yeah, I guess it had broken all the way through and (laughs) yeah. So, um, you are a photographer. Yes. So tell me a little bit about some of your favorite places and favorite moments that you have captured while you have been on bike tours. I think my favorite times have been the, the quiet moments or where it's a quiet moment, but then there's something in the picture or just in the area that's like, pretty different um in utah i remember there was a a bridge near moab that um the the water was down and you would look off the bridge and you could see all these footprints of people trying to like walk through the mud and it was just pretty surreal but it was also very hot and the the mud had kind of like cracked and it was making all these like interesting um, shapes in the, in the, in the mud. Um, and another, another time would have been in Japan, um, riding along the coast, you find all, um, it's like tsunami walls, um, which look like a giant, like jacks pieces. If you were going to play, mm. is it jacks? Like, uh, you have the ball. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. They're giant. They're, like, bigger than cars. And you see, like, a person walking next to one. And it's one of those moments. They're like, how big am I? How small is that? That's cool. Yeah. But, oh, go yeah. on. No, um, just, just the moments where you're you're riding along. You're like, wow, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm all the way here. Do you feel like the bike has helped you to access more spaces or whether even that's like spaces in the physical world or um, within yourself, like helped you access your, your artwork more? Um, I'm, I think I'm going to go. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Is the answer. But I was trying to figure out which part of it I wanted to talk about first. Um, so I think the for me the the part that I I feel that the bike has helped me the most would be with accessing like the physical world. Um 
at least when I had traveled before, um, if it was alone or with someone else, I would, I was going on like a bike or, or not on a bike, um, but on like a bus or in a plane. Um, and I had traveled around Europe and around like Peru by myself. Um, and I missed so many places in between the larger cities. And those are really the, the highlights of like the physical place. I, I'm not a huge fan of cities, but like the quiet countryside and finding, um, like in Sweden, there are these things called cloudberries in the mountains and we never, we never found them, but I don't know if we would have heard of them if we were only in cities, um, even because they were so rare and it's just really an amazing opportunity to be out in the natural world like that. Um, as far as my art, I feel like just the environment was inspiring. Um, just because my, the medium that I have chosen, um, is so like, I, I depict it quite literally in the fine art aspect. I don't alter my images a whole lot aside from what I remember. How do you carry your equipment? Like, do you just travel with one camera? Do you travel with multiple lenses, tripods? Like, tell me about that. Um, so I use a medium format film camera. Um, and I, I only use one lens on it. Um, when I'm traveling, I do have another lens, but I don't use it regularly. Um, and that's been, it's worked out really well. Um, at least in the United States, I could mail the film home and then my mom could like refrigerate it in her home before I arrived. And sometimes she'd even develop it for me, which was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, um, I use the, the older, um, equipment because I don't have to worry as much as like to water damage and like the physical damage of, you know, just being on the road all the time. Like there's sand, there's dust. And with the, the older analog equipment, you don't, I mean, at least I don't worry as much about it. You don't have to worry about charging things either, right? I, I no. guess unless you have a light meter or something. No, I mean it, it comes with a light meter, but it's it's a battery that you buy like once every like six years or something. That's cool. Yeah, I've been really lucky in that aspect. the The camera's never been so much of an issue. Actually, in this last tour, it had a little bit of a problem, but that's all right. Do you select or have you selected touring destinations uh, or touring routes, I guess, even based on your photography or do you just kind of you pick where you want to go and you let the rest of it fly? Usually it, it kind of goes hand in hand like, oh, I've heard that's really nice and it, this sounds like an area that would be really interesting not only um, to bike but also visually. Um I actually chose to go to Colorado the first time um, because of a photography book that I had found um, that was all about the Colorado River. Colorado River. I think it was called Downstream, um, and it was it just looked so surreal at the time. And I was like, "Oh, I should I should just go. That would be great." <laughs> I'm looking at your Kickstarter shout out here. <laughs> what's up what's up with that did you make a book or um so I did a project I I was gonna no 
so I, I completed that project and I, I wanted to do another one, um, with different pictures for that, um, that involved making a, a postcard book. I really love the, the snail mail and postcards. Mm. Um, and I, I really wanted to do that, but I never really got that off the ground. Um, um, but that, that project was, I think when I went across the country and I, I just wanted to make nice pictures for people <laughs> is basically what happened. Um, uh, so they were just prints, not a book. Uh, do you have any of your work available for sale? Is there like a way that we can link something up in the show notes? Um, we could put my website. I should throw like a, is my, I'm not, we'll see. We'll see about that. All right, cool. We will maybe put something somewhere. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we're definitely going to, we'll link up to your website for sure, but, um, you know, just, you know, you can let me know if there's anything kind of specific that you'd you'd like to do something on. Um, so cool. Yeah. I, at some point I'd like to make a more bike related, possibly postcard book and throw it on Etsy or something, but I haven't, haven't had the time really. Well, I mean, there's always something, right. And, um, (laughs) the, the more that you're, the more that you're like kind of making stuff, the less time you have to do other stuff like riding a bike. You right. know, it's, uh, you kind of like for me, for example, I'm like doing this podcast because it's fun. And then it's like, oh, this is like, there's a little bit of work that's involved with all of the production piece of it. Absolutely. So, you know, more time in front of a screen and less time behind the handlebars. And it, yeah, there, the there was a guy who had a Kickstarter, was it a year ago or two years ago? And he was going to travel around South America for, I don't know, four or five months and he was going to make a postcard every day. Like he was going to take a picture, print it out, put it on a postcard and mail it to someone every day. Mm. And I was like, how much time is that going to take out of the experience that you are having because you are doing this while you were there? Mm. I mean, it's really awesome that he took the time to do that, but I can't imagine that it was easy. And to have the commitment of saying, oh, I'm doing this every single day I'm there, it's kind of a lot. Yeah, it takes you out of presence. Mm-hmm. Because you're, like, worried about if that's – is that the picture? Because you've got to – because you've got to ship this thing literally every day. Right. That's kind of – it's a cool concept, but it sounds like a lot. Yeah, I signed up for it because I thought it was a fantastic idea and I just love postcards. Um, and it, it – the I had two, and they were good. I, I well, I really liked them, um, not just aesthetically, but also like what he wrote on the back. Uh-huh. Um, it was a cool experience. So he was like mailing a different postcard to a different person every day. Yes. Ah, okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, and if you responded, um, there was like an address, and then he would get it in his email or something, and he would respond back. Oh goodness. So, so high tech. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't imagine like carrying around a little printer. I, I kind of wish that he was biking, but I guess that wasn't his thing. Interesting. Well, you can think, you can think about that. Bring your, you, you know, bring your dark room 
with yes. you and, <laughs> and maybe we'll get you like a litho press and you can just like really go totally old school That'd be, I need a trailer something so um, I want to shift a little bit how much do you like how much is the bike in your everyday life when you're not touring um so in Syracuse um the weather in the winter especially is not agreeable. Um and the bike infrastructure is actually really where I live it's good. Um but like my boyfriend can't get to his work by bike. It's just not possible based on the the infrastructure. Um so it's I mean I have a car. He has a car. Um most of the people I know have cars and I, I usually, so what I was doing, at least when I got back last year was I was trying to bike every day that like the weather said I could, and it was going to be, it was going to be fine. Um, so even like in light rain, I would, but like in the heavy rain, I'm, I don't work very far. So I was like, Oh, I can just drive. Like I'm not, but I, I do prefer to bike. Um, and I even feel better when I'm biking, just the, the air and it's just so nice. Um, but I'd say that I probably bike only, well, we do a, sorry. So I do a group ride every week, um, on Thursday nights. So we went last night, which was really wonderful. Um, but we, we don't, we bike like twice a week probably to work. And we'll do like a leisure ride on the weekend. So what do you consider an every ride carry? Like what do you always have with you when you're on the bike? Um, so we have a multi-tool. It's like the Alien 2 by Topeak, I think. Um, and then like a spare tube, um, a little pump. Um, I usually bring my wallet. I don't know. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, my my camera doesn't have a flash. Um, so, like, the nighttime rides doesn't make sense to bring it. And it's not really the uh, subject matter that I'm interested in. Right. Um, what are your favorite destinations in New York? Um, so, to ride, I... Well, we we do the Erie Canal a lot. Like, from my home? Yeah, whatever you got. Um, so we, we just we go to the Erie Canal, and we go... Um, they're building um, an infrastructure that goes around Onondaga Lake, which is in Syracuse. Um, but right now, it's only... I think it's seven miles. But if you go there and back, it's 14. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah, unfortunately, there's really... I mean... So the Erie Canal stretches across New York State, and it would be really wonderful to take, like, a week at a time and, like, oh, I'm going to go see friends up in the Adirondacks. But, unfortunately, with my work schedule, it doesn't – it's just not conducive to the time that I have. you got to save it for your big around-the-world rides. Yes. Um, I've never biked – in like continental Asia or South America, but I'm definitely interested in doing something else or in Africa or Australia. 
feel like there's so much more of the world. Say that I've biked the world. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I know. You're, it's like, no, I can't say that. It's not. I haven't done enough to say that yet. I yeah. <laughs> but what you've done is pretty cool. And I think it's definitely something to be proud of. Um, it sounds fantastic. It sounds like a whole lot of fun. Um, I'm always really curious about people's eating habits with in terms of the bike. Yes. There's just like so much nutrition and energy that you're expending. Tell me about your favorite snacks, pre-ride, post-ride, mid-ride, whatever you got. Um, so favorite snacks are probably like some sort of granola bar. I really like 18 rabbits, um, as a brand. That's awesome. Um, and they, they have a, a fig bar that's awesome. Um, and then, what else do I have? I like apples and peanut butter. Um, bagels keep really well on the bike. Um, unfortunately, like in Europe and in Japan, there's not really any bagels. <laughs> um, we think in Japan, we found these cookies. They were called coconut sables. They were wonderful. I'm vegetarian, so... Um, I don't eat meat. Um, Trader Joe's fruit leathers are phenomenal. Um, nuts are great. Do you feel like being a vegetarian has helped your ability? Your I don't know. Um, has helped your snack ability, or is like hindered the kind of meals that you can get when you're sort of in more isolated areas? Um, I don't think it's helped if, yeah, um, I, I think that it's, it's hindered more than it's helped in any, in any terms. Um, yeah, people in Eastern Europe, especially they're like, oh, well, it's not a meal if you don't have meat in it. And Mm -hmm. so they just replace whatever meat you have with like a block of cheese, (laughs) like literally what I would eat. Um, and I, at home, I'm really strict about cheeses, but when I was there, like, I couldn't be. Like, if I, yeah, like, <laughs> I can't, can't explain that I only eat some cheeses. It's like, it's, uh. Yeah, because you, you need something. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you do? Like, any other strategies or anything like that? I'm I would curious. go to the grocery stores and just, um, I guess what happened when I was in Europe is I found like a vegan grocery store in Vienna and I stocked up on like a lot of soups and just snacks that I knew that were going to be fine. Even though I didn't know any of the German that was on them, I understood that like the entire store was vegan. Mm. So I was like, okay, anything I buy here will be fine. (laughs) Um, so I just kind of went for it and bought a bunch of random stuff and, ate it for the next like couple weeks. Japan was also really hard for being vegetarian because everything had fish in it or any kind of seafood. Fun fact. Sounds annoying. I'm still really impressed by, you know, keeping a bunch of food on the bike and only having the rear rack. And, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Well, it's just like a ton of weight on the back tire. Um, 
<laughs> which is a blessing and a curse, I suppose. And it, well, I, I don't really see any benefits of it other than I don't have the weight of a front rack. Um, but like any time that I need to like pull the bike over something, like I, I basically have to hold it right where all my stuff is. Like mm. the bike weighs n- nothing compared to where all my stuff is on the back of it. It's ridiculous. What do you feel like, since especially since you pack, uh, it seems like so light, what do you feel like is the most extravagant or unusual thing that you keep with you on a tour? Um, well, my medium format camera and all the film is pretty um, not ideal for, <laughs> you know, the bike touring. Um, but aside from that, not sure. No, I think that that's going to be the only thing that <laughs> I could ever slim down. Yeah. Everything else is pretty much, you, you have everything else dialed in. It's necessary and important. Uh, yeah, from like sleeping bag to, I have a fleece sleeping bag liner for those cold days and a silk one for the warm ones. Did you always travel that light or was that an evolution? No, it was just always like this. Um, well, I guess it started for the, the tandem ride. Um, we just like talked about what we were going to bring and for clothes and stuff. I mean, we had two small front bags and that, that was all we got to bring. So it was like, okay, you're going to bring one thing to wear if it's warm, one thing to wear when it's cold, uh, and one thing to wear when you're not riding and that's it. (laughs) Trial by fire. Yeah. It was like, okay. And if I ever like. I guess when I was in France, I was going towards Switzerland. I knew this year that, like, it was going to start getting really cold. So, like, I took a day off in Grenoble, and I went shopping. I found, like, a wool sweater and a stove. Like, I was using this can stove, but I finally broke down. I got one of those MSR pocket rockets, and it was great. I mean, I I could make tea, and it was warm. (laughs) It was wonderful. I couldn't imagine not having a hot beverage. Yeah, well, I went for, I guess it was the end of September, I went and I bought the stove. So I went the entire rest of the way. I left in the middle of July till the end of September. I went without having a stove that worked. Yep. But some things are worth it. You mean like some things are worth carrying the extra, like you got, you have a stove and that's worth it. Yeah. And just like, okay, well this can stove like hasn't worked the entire trip. I've tried it countless times with countless different fuels and I'm just done with it. Like I'm just going to throw that out and like get rid of the fuel that I had for it. And I'm going to get something that's tried and true. A bunch of people use this and I just pick it up at the the outdoor store and it it works. Fantastic. <laughs> was the can stove something that you made yourself like from soda pop cans? Yeah. Yep. And yeah, I just had so much so many issues with it like from like when I was here I would use heat 
um, to fuel it. And when I read online, it said you could also use denatured alcohol. So then I found denatured alcohol, but in Swedish, and it just it wasn't working. Mm, so gotcha. I was just really frustrated. Sounds <laughs> annoying. I need a stove. Yeah, that sounds really annoying. Uh, so you're not touring this year. No. No. Oh, sad face. Yes. Um, Very sad face. Do you know, like, do you have anything planned for what's next? Um, so right now I'm actually working on going for my master's. Um, so I've been doing a lot of, like, just home stuff. I made a big garden this year and just kind of focusing on more of, like, professional development and, like, building the idea of home. And that idea, um, just the idea of home is something I think about when I do these long bike rides. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I came back in, was it in 2010? I decided I wanted to grow garlic. I have no idea where that came from, but like I just went and I bought garlic, I planted it in the ground and then I grew it. Um, and it's, I've made it a bigger and bigger patch every year. Um, and it's just because I, I rent a home I don't have, like, I, I don't, I can't put roots, like, here. I have to get a community garden and do it there. But it's it's been working out really well just to have the, those literal roots mm. um, are, is really, it's been really great. That's interesting because garlic takes so long. It takes, like, a year. No, no. So you plant it in the fall and then you harvest it in, like, July. Oh, well, it's still like ten months ish, right? Something um, like that. Um. So, I guess I plant it in like November, and then you harvest it in July. Yeah. So it's like eight. Well, I guess what I'm what I mean by that is that this is not we're not like talking about lettuces or things that are growing and right. ready for harvest in you know sixty or eighty days. Like, like right, gar- it's an overwinter like, thing. It's like a time investment. Like you're so it's interesting that that's where you kind of went where you're thinking about home and putting down you know both literal and figurative roots yeah sort of an um i guess garlic was just the the appropriate choice seeing that if i was going to bike tour in the summer and the fall um the garlic would be like okay i can harvest it like we literally literally harvested the garlic the year we went to japan the day before we flew to japan oh well and like I hung it in my mom's basement, and I was like, "Bye, mom." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's and cool. her whole house smelled like garlic for so long. I felt bad for her. Not really. I have. Let's see. I'm gonna have like, two more questions for you. Okay. Um, one is if you could go for a bike ride anywhere with anyone, living or dead, and you know, like time is not an issue, money's not an issue. Where would you go? And with who and why? Hmm. I know it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Can it be a broad place? Yeah, like, yeah whatever. Can it be? It's not <laughs> okay. the SATs. Um, it's cool. So I guess I, I would like to travel more by bicycle with my partner. And it, I w- when I was there, I was really thinking that it would be wonderful to go there, um, to go to Switzerland with him 
and travel around the country. They just have like an amazing infrastructure, um, not just for cycling. Um, and they have like these long distance cycle routes, but they also have like random signs by the side of the road. They're like, Hey, there's a rock climbing route over here. It's like, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Do you like climbing? I, I don't mean rock climbing, but like climbing on the bike. Uh, it's not my favorite part. <laughs> Surprises me that you pick Switzerland then. I mean, you know. Yeah. They got them mountains there and whatnot. Yeah, I was I was thinking that I was going to try to avoid a lot of <laughs> the mountains um, when I went into Switzerland because I, I went in like north where there's less mountains. Um, and I was, I was planning on having like a leisurely stroll through Switzerland um, not, not so steep, um, climbs and everything. And I was like halfway through Switzerland and I, I stayed with a family and they were like, you know, the most beautiful part of Switzerland is the mountains. You really shouldn't miss it. And I'm so glad I didn't because mm -hmm. like from then I went, I, I went South and then I went through the mountains and it was just amazing. It was beautiful scenery and just wonderful people over there. It was great. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. It's good mental image, at least, I, even if I can't, can't articulate it. So I want to wrap up with your advice for a woman who is just thinking about going on her first bike overnight or is thinking about considering planning a tour. Like, what is one piece of advice that you'd like to give or something um, that you've heard or a piece of advice you never received that you'd like to pass on? Okay. I've actually given this advice to a woman before, um, but I've always found that you need to have the the time, the motivation, and the money to to set aside to do a bike tour. Um, if you lack one of those three things, you're not going to do it. And it, or it's just not going to go very far for you. Um, so time, motivation, and money. You got to find yours. That's what it's yeah. all about. Those resources. Yep. Yeah. It's always a trade off of those resources. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, listen, I really appreciate um, hanging out with you today. We're going to link up some stuff in the show notes so that everybody can check out your pretty pictures that you make. Fantastic. Catherine Walton. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks. Bye. A big thanks to Catherine Walton for hanging out with me, also Catherine, and with you, dear Joyrider. So I was thinking about how when I was a little girl <coughs> in the 80s, <coughs> Um, Rio meant the purple-haired love interest dude from Gem, but today when little girls think of Rio, they're thinking of badass women like Kristen Armstrong and so, so, so many more on Team USA and, you know, really girls and women around the world. That is truly outrageous. And um, by the way, did you see the Leslie Jones tweets from when she was watching the women's road race with Mara Abbott? I'll put a link in the show notes, but only if you promise me to use your earbuds. This is not safe for work or for tiny, tender little ears. Don't say I didn't warn you. It's pretty funny, though.
Next week on The Joyride, tune in to hear me, moi, yours truly, on the Pedal Shifts Project. You'll hear uh, my side of the interview, and um, that's going to come out next Friday, whatever day that is. But it'll be the day after Tim's uh, Tim show drops for the Pedal Shift. Also, folks, send me an email. Send it to the Joyride Podcast at Gmail. New social media handles will be coming soon, but send me an email. Let me know what you think of the show. Ask a question, recommend it to guest, share your thoughts and your feelings. Um, seriously, though, as always, I really appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, friends, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward. And until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. It started with a tandem bike trip with my ex and it ended like that ended horribly.